morning, church. Uh, my name is Thomas Oakes, uh, and I'm a covenant partner here. Uh, and I have the honor of reading scripture this morning. As we continue our study of the book of Luke, today we encounter a passage where Jesus gives us a picture of the peace that he offers to his people. Jesus' teaching is powerful as he encourages his followers to not worry about their physical needs, but rather to seek first the kingdom of God, and all will be given to them. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34, or look up on the screens and follow along as I read the passage aloud. Hear the word of the Lord. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now please join me in the call and response printed on the screens. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. Thank you, Thomas. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you all today. I'm glad that you have successfully made it here, even though you are one hour less slept. Is that right? Is that how you say it? Um, so we're glad you're here. I actually, this is like my favorite day of the year. Unlike Callan, we differ in that. I love springing forward. Does anybody else love it? No, I don't see very many hands here. I mean, the light, like tonight, you're going to be eating your dinner and you're like, it's still sunny and you can like soak the vitamin D and your depression levels will go lower. I guess we don't want them to go higher. We're wanting them to go lower. But it is like my, I love summer. I love heat. This is why I live in South Texas. Give it more, more, more. So I'm all about it. I will take the less sleep. Um, you guys will be laughing at me because tonight at 830, I'm going to be like, please go to bed, kids. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old and it will be sunlight and they'll be like, I'm not tired 
tired? And I'm like, I know. Let's go play outside and get some more vitamin D. I don't know. Um, text me if you've got little kids and you feel the same way tonight. But my name is Becky. If you guys don't know me, I'm one of the associate pastors here. Grateful to be with you all today. What a great passage, right, that Thomas just read. It's such a powerful passage, one that might be very familiar to you, one you may have heard for years and years, but we're going to dig a little bit deeper into it. As I was getting ready this morning, my son Thomas, not this Thomas, but a different Thomas, who is three, asked, where are you going, mommy? I said, well, I'm getting ready for church. I'm going to preach today. And he said, what does it mean to preach? In his three-year-old words, he didn't say it exactly like that. He was like, what is preaching? And I said, I'm going to get to share Jesus with people. And he goes, hold on a second. So he ran into his room and he came out and he had found three of his little books to give me. Because he said, these will help you this morning to share Jesus with the people at church. I mean, what? My kid. Jesus calling for kids, prayer for a child, and of course, a little town of Bethlehem. He's like, I only have three. And I was like, that'll do, friend. That'll do. So I'm not actually, has nothing to do with what I'm preaching today, except that you can't help but share a cute story from your kids, right? Um, and, and also, it does have to do with it because kids in here, I see a lot of you, keep encouraging your parents, right? Like, we need your encouragement as parents. Like, that brought so much light that to me this morning as I'm kind of processing and thinking through what I'm going to say today, that Thomas wants to help and he knows Jesus and he wants to help you all know Jesus too. So kids, don't stop loving on your parents. Okay, I'm going to open us in a word of prayer and we'll dive right in. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this beautiful day and for your new mercies every morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I invite you to keep your Bibles open to chapter 12 of the book of Luke. As we continue in our journey of Luke, today we find a familiar passage. A couple of things to note before we dive right in, but do keep your Bibles open. Um, at this point in our study, Jesus is becoming very famous. Lots of people are knowing about Jesus and his disciples. Many are coming from far and wide to hear what he has to say. They've been hearing what's going on, and large crowds are gathering. He's taught about several different things, and people are excited to know more. He's talking at the beginning of chapter 12. If you open your Bible, you see some headings all the way up to verse 22, which is where we're starting today. But he talks about being, being aware of hypocrisy. Don't follow in line with the Pharisees because they say they do not do what they say. They say what they do not do. Then he talks about, don't have fear. Don't deny me when somebody approaches you and you're a little bit scared. Do they know Jesus or not? Don't turn away from me. Don't be fearful, but continue to follow me. Then in verse 16, or 13, excuse me, he talks about the parable of the rich fool. And this is essential to kind of know the context here before we dive into the passage today, because this parable sets Jesus up for what he's teaching. He talks about how this rich fool gets a lot of food and crops, and he reaps a lot from his fields. And in order to keep it for himself forever, he hoards it. He stores it up in the barns. He, he builds a barn and storehouses to, for his own possessions, for his own sake. And he keeps it all for himself. Jesus teaches that the people that followed him don't need to do that. They don't need to lay up their treasures here on earth, but rather give their souls and their lives to God. So that's where we find ourselves here in verse 22. 
following directly after this parable of the rich fool, Jesus is talking now. There's large crowds, but he specifically focuses on his disciples, those who have been following him and walking with him, his friends, his loved ones. He's cared for these people as they've traveled around. And he focuses this part into his disciples. He pulls from the parable of the rich fool and he says, therefore, he starts this passage with therefore. Therefore, knowing what we know of what I just taught, therefore, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Do not be anxious about your life. We could stop right there and have an entire sermon series just on that one line, right? Anxiety is prolific in our environment, in our world today. And these few words from Jesus are incredibly helpful. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. If you're familiar at all with scripture, you know that these words appear all throughout scripture, whether it's do not fear, have no fear, or do not be anxious. We see it over and over again. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is using the words as he teaches at the Sermon on the Mount, We see these used words by Paul when he writes a letter to the Philippian Christian saying, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Do not be anxious. We hear these words all throughout scripture over and over and over again. And I may venture to say that those of us in this room know a thing or two about anxiety. No one? Anyone? Just me? Cool. Um, But has anyone in here ever worried before? If you don't raise your hand, I want to be your best friend and I want you to teach me everything you know because I live a life of worry. That is one of my biggest struggles in life. If you work with me, if if you know me, if you know my family, you know that I constantly have just kind of low-level anxiety, right? It's just something that God has graciously gifted me with. No, I'm kidding. Um... But we all in here know what it feels like to be anxious. And if we haven't ourselves been anxious, we can probably understand what it means to be anxious. My husband's like, steady Eddie. He rarely gets anxious. He's like one of those guys that's like, I'm like, ah, and he's like, uh-huh, yeah. And I'm like, wow, what's it like to be in that head of yours? I just, I can't, I just can't understand it, you know? He's so calm. Um, but Anxiety is becoming a hot topic in our world today, right? We talk about our young people, our kids, being more anxious than they ever have been before. We're, we're more verbal about anxiety. We may have felt it our whole lives, but suddenly it's just out there. We're constantly talking about it. Many people are on anxiety medication to bring down their level of anxiety. We walk around with feelings of anxiety and we, we talk about it like I'm in a spiral or I can't stop the the uh, hamster wheel in my head, there's just all this talk about anxiety. In the Sunday school class that Carrie taught this morning, we talked kind of about the collective anxiety. Just as a nation, as a people, as humans, there's just anxiety in our world. You, if I were to ask you, what does it feel like to be anxious? You may describe a shortness of breath, a tightening in the stomach, some tension in your shoulders, a heaviness in your chest. Don't go there. You don't need to be anxious right now. It's okay. Take a breath. You're just receiving today. Let me do the anxiety thing. Um, But anxiety is not foreign to us. It certainly lives in some of us more than others, and it might manifest differently in each of us. But what Jesus is saying here, he understands the people that he's speaking to. 
even years and 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 years ago, anxiety was an issue. It's easy to say, oh, the world these days. Jesus is talking to people who are anxious, just like you and me. So let's see what he's talking about. Let's see what he's specifically telling his disciples not to be anxious about. He says, don't be anxious, anxious about your life. Okay, that's a lot. More specifically, he goes into detail what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. He gives this specific area of their lives in which not to be anxious, your food and your clothing. Your food and your clothing. Many of us in here probably have never one day in our lives been anxious about food or clothing. Praise the Lord. Right? We probably have more than enough things to wear in our closet. We probably have a refrigerator full of expired food that we didn't even need to, you didn't even get to before we could eat it. We are a privileged people. But the disciples whom he's talking about here might have been worried a little bit about what they were going to eat. Jesus did tell them to give away their tunics to other people if needed. There was 12 of them and others traveling around together. Are they going to have enough money to feed all of those mouths? They may have worried quite a bit. Of course, we see the parable of the rich fool hoarding his food, storing it up in storehouses and barns. Instead of hoarding food and possessions in storehouses like the rich fool, Jesus is telling his disciples not to worry. Let it go. Let go of the anxiety around having enough. Have you ever felt like you don't have enough? You may not be able to identify with not having food on the plate or not having something to put on, but I'm sure at some point in your life you have felt like you didn't have enough. Enough time, enough patience, enough of anything. So then he continues in verse 23. Jesus says, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. I mean, that makes practical sense, right? Of course, life is more than the food that we eat and the clothes that we wear. But even though we know that, even though we completely understand the practicality of that, we still worry. Jesus is teaching his disciples and us that we don't need to spend time worrying about thing, things like food and clothing because life is so much more important. There's so much more to life than that. They don't have to worry. In order to drive this point home, Jesus gives us two illustrations. They're word pictures. They, they immediately bring to mind an image. And he continues to go into this to kind of flesh out what he means. He wants to drive this home. It's not just do not worry, goodbye, good luck with your life. But it really is a care for his disciples in which he teaches. And so here's, here he goes. I love it when Jesus does this, right? He paints a picture so real that we can grab hold to his words in a way that just come to life for us. So let's look at how he describes it. In verse 24, he begins with the word consider. Consider. Take notice. Watch. Look. Slow down long enough to see God at work in the world. Consider. Consider. He talks about a raven an average bird, one, in fact, that would have been considered unclean. 
The raven was a yucky, yucky, ducky bird. You know those ones like at the pearl that come and like snatch your food off of your table if you're eating, right? Those are the worst, right? Yes. It's like so gross. You don't want to touch a raven. In fact, a raven was so unclean that the Israelite people, them, the disciples and Jesus, would not have been able to eat a raven. They could have eaten other birds, but not the raven. Raven's unclean. So we're talking about an unclean bird. Consider the ravens. Watch what they do. Sit for a moment and see the ravens. Unlike the rich fool, the ravens don't sow or reap crops, right? They, they, that's just not something that they do. They don't have hands. And they don't have storehouses or barns to keep their food in. And they don't carry a purse or a backpack to like, you know, movie snacks when you shove them into your purse before you go to the movie. Anybody? No? Are we breaking laws? I don't know. But we, we like to like shove stuff and hold it, this is ours, right? And we want to like carry it. The ravens don't have any of that. They don't have a little backpack to put their, their food in for tomorrow just in case they don't have any tomorrow. They literally eat what is provided for them in that day and then they go to sleep or whatever. I don't know, do ravens sleep? I guess so, yeah. And then they wake up the next morning and there's more food, okay? God feeds them and they have to rely on God to provide food for them. Does this remind us of another story in scripture where people had to rely on food day by day from the Lord? Yes, in Exodus, the Israelite people, God's chosen ones whom he'd sent out of slavery and into the wilderness. And they're like, we need food. And he's like, here you go. And they're like, no, no, we, we, we need more. We need to be able to save it and let it expire in our refrigerator so we can throw it away at the end of the week, right? They wanted to hoard, they wanted to save and savor that manna, but each day it was bread enough for the day, trusting that tomorrow he would provide again. Just like the ravens. God has provided. We can look back at scripture all throughout the beginning of time. God has provided for his people. He provides for the unclean, dirty birds that we can't even eat. How much more then will he provide for you? How much more valuable are you than the birds? This is a profound point. These unclean birds God will provide for. Do you not think that he will provide for you? Sometimes you may not feel more valuable than a raven. I'm just a dirty old raven and nobody's going to provide for me. Maybe you have felt like you don't deserve the care and the love of God the Father. You've done too many things wrong and God will not provide for you because you've messed up just one too many times. Or maybe you feel like it's all up to you. You're strong, you're powerful. I'm a mom. I can provide, right? I can, I can make PBJs. So I don't trust that God will provide because I try to do it myself. Or we can't rely on anyone else because they all let us down. So why would we rely on God? God promises to provide. Jesus is trying to convey this to his disciples. Don't be anxious, and here's why. You are a valuable creation. You are God's beloved. Out of his love for you, he provides for you. Okay, so let's keep going. Verse 25, he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? So, like, we know that, right? Like, worrying doesn't really bring anything except for annoying late night, like no sleep and anxious tummies and all those things. Like worry is not productive, right? But we still do it. 
Do we really think it's going to add time to our life? No, we know that. We know that worrying is not going to actually help, but we still do it, right? We spin our wheels. Don't you wish that you could just turn a light switch off and just be done with it? Like, you know what? I'm just not going to worry about that. Click. Done. It's over. It's out of your mind. My husband is a little bit that way, and I'm like, can you turn the click off in my mind? <laughs> I don't feel like I have an off switch, and we, I think that maybe worrying will produce something, or maybe it'll make me more prepared, or maybe, maybe it'll make my kids less sick, or maybe whatever we think worrying will do. Even though I know worrying isn't helpful, anxiety is not helpful to my daily life, I still do it. So for me, it truly takes the power of the Holy Spirit to wash over me to turn off the anxiety because I am not capable of doing it myself. It takes prayer and practice and reminders from Scripture just like these. Community like you guys, hope and gratitude. Those are the things that help me to navigate those anxious thoughts. Slowing down enough to watch the birds fly in the air and say, gosh, if God can take care of them, won't he take care of me? acknowledging my limitations. I can't see the whole picture, but God does. And there's a reason I can't see the whole picture. I wish I could, and I keep trying to control it and try to see that bigger picture. But God sees the whole picture, and in my weakness, he is made strong. So he goes on to another illustration. In verse 27, Jesus talks about the lilies. We're in Easter season. Easter's coming up. We're about to see the entire chancel filled with Easter lilies, Lilies are beautiful. They're beautiful flowers. Again, he repeats the word consider. Slow down. Take a look. Watch. Look at what I have created. Watch how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God is allowing the lilies of the field to grow and become beautiful. They don't have to do anything to earn it. They haven't worked harder to get there. They haven't worried about, am I going to grow or not? They just grow and they're beautiful. Jesus compares the lilies to King Solomon because guess what? His disciples are Jewish people. They would have known great King Solomon. They would have known of him and how glorious and beautiful and beautifully arrayed King Solomon was. The lilies are even more beautiful than Solomon. And then the grass, even the grass which is used to burn for heat in the oven is cared for and provided for by God. Aren't you more valuable than these? So we're getting to see his point here. He's making his point. We, God's children, are valuable creatures, people created by God. And if he cares for these little things that aren't very valuable, how much more he will care for us, for you and for me. Here's the point. Verse 29. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. He repeats it again from the beginning. It's basically the same thing. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. In verse 30, he says, For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. All the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. We have talked in here a lot about Jesus' upside-down kingdom, right? The kingdom of God is something that is so kind of upside-down from the world that we live in and know here on this earth. 
it, is, it takes our brains sort of a revolutionary switch to understand that what is good to the world is not good to God. What feels good to our flesh is not feeling good to the spirit. It's not what God wants for us. And so part of this, part of this whole don't seek what the world seeks. It's a reminder to us to live in that upside down, new kind of kingdom, revolutionary world that God has called us to. God already knows what we need. As followers of Jesus, living in the freedom that we have because of Christ, we're supposed to do things a little differently in the world. The world is gonna be like the rich fool and they're gonna hoard it in and keep it for themselves. And when we watch that, we get a little worried. A few months ago in stewardship season, we talked about March of 2020, right? Three years ago, people are hoarding toilet paper and like that's like the worst feeling in the world not to have the toilet paper. Let's not hoard it. Our, in, our inclination is to hoard, right? To save it up for ourselves. But these, these followers of Jesus, they don't need to worry because God knows what they need. Don't be like the world. Instead, Jesus says in verse 31, here's the alternative. Don't be anxious, so what do I do? If I'm not gonna be anxious, what do I do with myself? Seek his kingdom. Seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Seek his kingdom. This upside down world, it looks different than the one that we're living in. It feels a little different to our flesh. It's not gonna be as comfortable. It's not gonna be as gratifying to our flesh, but it is going to be a, a kingdom that lives in us that we look forward to and we have hope in because of what God has promised. Don't seek to hoard. Don't seek to worry. Don't seek earthly possessions and safety on this earth. Seek instead his kingdom. Know that you are valuable in him and that he will give you what you need. A lot of times verse 31 is used wrongly. Oh, just follow God and everything's good. He'll give you everything you want. We know that's not true, right? If you have been following God for a long time, if you have been, if you've given your life to Jesus, you know that everything is not perfect yet. We live in a broken world that is full of sin and we as humans are sinful people. And until Jesus returns, come Lord Jesus, may it be today. Until Jesus returns, we're living in a, in a place where we fight this daily. Our flesh continues to be broken. There's no magic pill that suddenly makes life perfectly easy when we follow Jesus. But Jesus has overcome the world. That is his promise now, and that is his promise in the future. As followers of Christ, we have hope in a kingdom where there is no pain or brokenness anymore, where Jesus continues to reign on the throne and rules over all evil. And when we know and follow Jesus as Savior, this promise is ours. Do not be anxious, seek the kingdom. As we live on the earth now, how do we do this? We still are anxious. There's no light switch. How do we do this? We have the peace and comfort of the Holy Spirit 
helping us in this world. Jesus promised before he was resurrected, before he ascended, this helper, this comforter, this peacemaker in us that lives in us and among us, this spirit that makes us clean each day that sanctifies us according to the, according to the power, his power as the spirit. And when we wait for the kingdom to come, we have hope in a new world, in a new kingdom. Seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. This next verse, verse 32, is the verse that I have just been stuck on all week and just it's resonating in my heart and my mind and I hope that you will, you will hear this. Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's as if he's taking them in his hands like you would a child and Jesus intimately and gently and personally and lovingly says, don't fear, friends. Don't fear. For it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus is so tender. A few verses ago in 28, he says, oh, you have little faith. It sounds a little harsher, a little bit like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't have faith. But at this point, he turns to them. He says, fear not, little flock. Lovingly and gently, fear not, little flock. Trust me. Have faith that I will provide. You don't need to live in this cycle of anxiety, spinning your wheels. But I love you so much. You are so valuable to me that I will provide for you. Jesus knows them. He knows that they worry. He knows that they struggle with this anxiety. And he's teaching them that God loves them so much more and that he will provide. So what is it that they must do? Work harder, be better, stop sinning, be nicer people, go to church more. Is that right? Read the Bible every day? Is that what it says? No. Seek first the kingdom of God. Somebody in Sunday school today said it's so easy to make this a formula. If I do this, then I get this. It is so easy to like check the boxes and say, okay, I'll seek so that I get this. I won't, do, I won't be anxious because God's going to provide. I'm just going to do it just like this. There's nothing you have to do, friends, except to follow Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Not out of obligation, not because he can lord it over you later on. He gives you the kingdom out of his love for us. And it's almost that it's more joyful for him to give than for us to receive. It reminds me of grandparents. Anyone here a grandparent? Grandparents are so amazing, my, my G-mama and G-papa, that's, my grand, that's not my grandparents, it's my kids' grandparents. My mom, and, my mom and stepdad, they like give everything. Like, just have it. You know, let me take you on the best trips. Let me give you the best Christmas presents. You can eat the, anything in our pantry. They're just so generous. And every time I'm like, thank you so much. I'm just so grateful. My mom's line is always, it's my fun. Like she is more joyful to give than to receive. Like it's, it brings her so much joy to share and to be generous and to give these great gifts. She doesn't need anything except just to be able to do it. 
I mean, even as a parent, right? Like you kind of feel that way. You're like, gosh, I want to give my kids everything. It's so much. I don't need to open a single present on Christmas. I just want to see them and the joy that they have. Imagine that's just a snapshot of what God must feel for his beloved children to give them the kingdom. It pleases him. And he is full of joy to give of this great gift. So let us receive it, friends. Let us let go and hold loosely the things of this earth and receive the grace and the love of the kingdom. It brings the Lord pleasure to give of his kingdom. These are gifts from God. So the final few verses are the so what of the passage. Okay, so do not be anxious. Here are these pictures of a raven and the lilies. You know, if I'm going to care about them, don't you think I'm going to care about you? You're valuable. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Just seek first the kingdom. Okay, we get it, we get it. We're there, we're there. And then finally, out of this grace that we have received, we have an opportunity We have an opportunity from the overflow of the abundant love and pleasure of the Father towards us that instead of worrying, as we seek the kingdom, we can then give freely. We don't have to hold on to everything so tightly. We don't have to worry that we're going to lose it all. We can let go, sell our possessions, and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. There's a Swedish book that's very popular if you like to minimalize. And it's like, I can't forget the name, but it's something about like, in death we give away our stuff or something like that because it's kind of saying you are a mortal person and you are going to die. Do you want to leave all this junk for somebody else to go through? Who has had to go through an estate sale of somebody's gross old stuff? And you're like, nobody wants this, but we held on to it for our whole lives because just in case, right? (laughs) But if we let go of it, then we're free. We are free to live as generous people, not scared of what's going to Come tomorrow because we know that God will provide. Instead of the rich fool, we won't be greedy, but we'll be free. Greed and fear are intimately connected. When we get scared, we hold on. When we have more, we want more. And we're scared we're not going to get more. So we cling and we worry. Of We're not going to have enough time. We're not going to have enough stuff. But Jesus says, sell your stuff. Give it away to those who need it more. Don't store up your stuff here on earth. Seek the kingdom. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So friends, as we finish up, do you feel valuable enough to God that he will provide for you what you need? Do you think that God will take care of you? Or are you fearful that you won't get enough or have enough? Jesus' words here, I hope that they resonate with you throughout the week. Fear not, little flock. Jesus knows you. He knows your anxieties. He knows your fears. But the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. May we embrace it. May we cling to the kingdom rather clinging to this earth. May we give thanks for it and share it with those around us. When our security is in Christ, 
We do not have to be insecure for food or for money or for status or for love. We are secure in Christ. We don't have to worry. We're free to live generously for others. If you hear one thing today, hear this. You are valuable. You are God's created child, called by him, loved by him, filled to overflowing with his abundant love. Cling to those words and fear not. May we live as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, our Father, we thank you for your word to us. We pray that these words would take deep root in our hearts, that we would think of them often throughout this week, that we would dwell in your word so that when we feel anxious, which we will because of our brokenness, because of our fear, that these words would be the first things on our mind, that we would slow down and consider the world that you have created around us, that we would look at the budding trees, at the sunshine, at the animals and the plants, Lord, that you have created, and that we would be reminded of your goodness, your faithfulness, and your provision. Thank you for your love. May we slow down and receive it. May we share it with others. May we go forth from here transformed by the power of this Holy Spirit to seek first the kingdom of God. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.